When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon on the run home. Good to be with you. Happy New Year driving you home on the 3rd of January. Jordan Canellis with you. Big show on the way today. Just the two hours we've got in the lead up to the Big Bash tonight. It's the Melbourne Derby in the BBL, the Melbourne Stars against the Melbourne Renegades. There'll be plenty of cricket on the show today. We'll have a chat to Colin de Grandhomme from the Adelaide Strikers. It's uh, in about an hour from now. SEN Cricket's Rachel Haynes as well to preview the test tomorrow. Peter Mann will join us before all of that to chat about the Australian Master of the Amateurs at 3.30 and Phil Smythe to chat some NBL as well. But alongside me for the next two hours is one of SEN's great workhorses, Josh Jenkins. Hello, JJ. Good afternoon, Jordan and uh, listeners. It's uh, a nice sunny, I'm still uh, on location up in uh, sunny Swan Hill, just enjoying the last part of a bit of a, oh, I guess a working holiday, you could call it, but uh, all's well up here and Nice and sunny as usual, not quite the 40 degrees we've been dealing with up in the Mallee for the past few days. So uh, 32 or 33 is a nice little bit of respite, uh, Geordie. How was your uh, your New Year's Eve? Did you get up to much? No, 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 didn't get up to much at all. Uh, uh, didn't even see the uh, 12 uh, a.m. Uh, <laughs> strike of the clock, actually. Just went to bed at about 20 past 11. I sort of thought about staying up but in the end when the kids are uh the kids are going to be up and at them the next morning on the first thought might as well go and just get the extra half hour and um guess what it was still the first when i woke up so i didn't miss much <laughs> yeah no smart move i uh, i just made it past the midnight uh, midnight mark and then i fell asleep pretty quickly after that because i've been up all day so uh yeah not not a not a massive one for me either but i did go down to uh, down to the beach so it was it was nice to get oh. away for at least 24 hours and just have a bit of a, a relaxing start to 2023 which is uh very nice yeah it's um it's a good time of year or even if you're doing a bit of work like you and i are and um a lot of the tradies are on big holidays and even walking around town up here in swan hill you you, you yeah we've been well i've been uh uh living away from swan hill for a long long time but you you just notice people who are you know out of towners there's lots of lakes and stuff in the area and Lots of uh, tourists and holiday makers here in the caravan parks. I don't know how they're doing it in tents at this uh, time of the year. It's, uh, as I said, it get up, gets up to about 40, 41 degrees. But uh, it's good to see sort of, you know, people out and about, particularly after a couple of Christmases where we've been stuck at home. Are you a, uh, are you a, a resolutions kind of guy, New Year's resolution? Uh, well, I, I, uh, our man, uh, Sammy Hargraves, um, uh, he uh, was able to draw one out of me uh, yesterday morning. And I've conceded that I need to learn how to tie a tie. Um, okay. I uh, haven't, haven't quite acquired that skill in life yet. I've just never really needed it, to be honest. But I, you know, going to a few more racing uh, uh, carnivals and events and those types of things, I think I might, the time has come at uh, almost 34 years of age where I might need to tie a tie. So... Uh, that's my resolution because I don't think you should set goals that are too lofty for yourself because uh, inevitably you're just going to fail. You get to the end of January and uh, and that's that. So hopefully I can uh, get that done. I also want to be able to, this is a little more lofty, I want to be able to run a half marathon or at least 
the distance of a half marathon. I'd love to be able to just get up early on a Saturday morning and go and run 20Ks. Now, uh, it's not something I ever did or even close to did when I was playing footy. So I'd love to be able to do that. How about you? Hank Horn style. Just jump out of bed uh, and run a, run a casual 20. Yeah, well, he's, I mean, I only really want to be able to do it a couple of times. Like, you know, 10, <laughs> getting up and running 10 or so is perfectly fine by me. And I, and the clock's not important either. I just need to be able to clock up that distance, uh, unlike Kane, who probably wants to do it flat out. Um, what about you? Have you got anything in store? Are you against, uh, do you oppose the New Year's resolution? No, I, I don't oppose the New Year's resolution. I probably don't take them all that seriously, but I will sort of, uh, so my, I've, I've kept mine pretty, uh, pretty basic this year. It's simply just to take more care of my sleeping pattern. I probably need to ah. sleep a bit more and, uh, yep. and, and just take care of that because I do like to stay up at night and watch Premier League soccer or get up early and watch the NFL and I haven't had enough sleep the night before. So maybe just being a bit more mindful of my time management around sleeping because sleep is important as I'm discovering. It is very, very important. Yes, I um, actually did a sleep study uh, when I was playing for the Crows. A, a very uh, learned uh, gentleman came in and, and taught us a few things about sleep and uh, we wore... Um, watches for six or eight weeks and we learned a lot of things and the two things I took from the study I mean there are a lot of you know a lot of different things about what you should do and when you should do it and foods you should eat and not eat the two things I took from it is we all have nights where you can't sleep and most people all they do is pick up the pick up the phone oh it's, it's 12 o'clock oh it's 12 30 it's one o'clock mm -hmm. yep. and he said <laughs> yep. don't ever don't ever, if you can't sleep, that's fine, but don't ever pick up the phone because the next morning, if you do, your body says, oh, God, I was awake. It was 2 o'clock when I put my phone down, and I, I know I've only had four or five hours sleep, and you feel even more terrible than you normally would. Whereas if you don't pick it up, you don't necessarily know. Your brain doesn't know what time you went to sleep. So, yeah, you might feel fatigued, but you don't necessarily know that you've only had four or five hours. And the other one is TVs in the bedroom. That's a, that's a no-no. So I've actually just... I went uh, 12 years of playing without a TV in the bedroom, and I've just invested in a TV for the bedroom. So uh, my uh, my wife was really keen to have one, and I said, no, that's the rule number one from our sleep study. So we didn't have one whilst I was playing, but there's not many excuses for it now. So we've just uh, gone and got one at the Boxing Day sales. Yeah, no, I'm not, a, I'm not a TV in the bedroom kind of person, but I will be on my phone pretty late at night, which is... Just as bad, yeah, I think. Well, it's it's yeah, it's probably worse because you got to really, uh, you really got to concentrate and focus to be able to mm. see what's on the uh, on the screen. The blue light glasses. This will this will certainly uh, cause a bit of an uproar with our SEN listeners. The blue light glasses. A lot of people say that they're rubbish. They may well be right. The glasses that you know block out the blue light off the screens. But I have had a couple of pairs. And I swear they work. Now, whether it's a placebo thing or whether they actually scientifically work, I could care less. All that matters is that when I wear those glasses lying in bed um, and I'm using my screens and those types of things, I have very little trouble falling to sleep. So maybe you can invest in a set of the uh, blue light glasses. They're not dear. They're about 60 or 70 bucks. And get some of those and... You might um, you might fall asleep earlier as well. Yeah, well, the the f phones and devices now have the settings where you can uh, change it to warmer colours. It's like midnight oh. mode or whatever it's called, where you can actually oh the ambience. Yeah, it's it goes sort of orangey, <laughs> so it takes the blue, cuts away the blue light and adds a a yellow warmish sort of light, which is a lot more easier on your eyes. So I think that's uh, I use that a lot now. So people look at my computer screen if I'm working at night, my computer screens. 
gone all orange. I go, why is the computer screen orange? Well, it's because it's cuts out the blue light. Um, right. oh, I didn't know that. JJ, you and I are big NFL fans. Uh, you're a big Bengals fan, aren't you? I am a big Bengals fan, yes. I, uh, I love, have loved, uh, well, I've always been a fan of the Bengals. And then once Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase went there from LSU, who I do support strongly, I thought, well, hello, that's, um, that, is the, uh, that is the earth telling me something. So I've been a big Bengals fan for probably three or four years. Uh, the incident today in the NFL, so everyone was looking forward to this Monday night football game. Buffalo against the Bengals, uh, potential, uh, you know, two potential teams who could make it all the way to the Super Bowl yeah. or play in the yep. AFC Championship game against each other. Um, it ended early because of the uh, the head clash uh, with Damar Hamlin, who is a second-year player for the Buffalo Bills, plays as a safety, which is a defensive position, um, and has been taken to hospital. Now, one of the updated... Uh, or some of the updates that we're seeing is that um, he's in a critical condition. We've heard that his vitals are back to normal. Uh, Jason Matthews on the uh, on the afternoon show just before us um, said that he is uh, he's still uh, he's, he's got a pulse, but it's assisted breathing at the moment um, and still running tests. It's a scary situation. There haven't been many incidents in sport that like this that I've seen, let alone in the NFL, which is a high impact, high collision sport, and and this is this is pretty rare. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this. I've um, I, I, I've experienced something similar, which I'll share in a moment. But in terms of this actual uh, situation, it was um, as you mentioned, Demar Hamlin, a player who, you know, I'm a, I'm an absolute obsessed NFL fan. Demar Hamlin's not someone I'd ever really even heard of. Mm. Um, uh, he's a second-year player, as you said, was drafted in the sixth round of last year's draft, and. He 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 went. He laid a tackle on T Higgins, and um, it looked like he copped a lot of the the force to his chest. And then he uh, he obviously went down in the tackle. The tackle was completed. He stood up quickly and then collapsed. You know, as if fainted and fell backwards. And then you could clearly, I was watching it live, and you could clearly see almost instantly the um, the medical personnel really start to think, well, this is not a this is not a concussion. Uh, this is, you know, this is not a not a head knock, and it's something far more um, sinister and severe. And uh, eventually, the I think after a few minutes, you could kind of tell through the coverage as well. The commentary was, and clearly they had a little more information than they were sharing with us, and that's probably for the best. But he was in a bad way, and I, I believe when they were uh, trying to load Demar Hamlin into the ambulance, which had come on the field. They had to quickly um, place him back down on the field and administer CPR. So whenever you hear things like that, I mean, this is a 24-year-old elite athlete in the absolute prime of his life. So you hear those sorts of things, it's pretty scary. And you know, the commentators were kind of throwing it back and forth down on the field and back to the studio, and no one really knew what to say. And, um, you know, for, 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 for the right reasons, the game was cancelled um, in the first quarter. So the injury occurred at five to nine local time, and the stadium, the, the um, ambulance left the stadium half an hour later. So you know he's in the hospital now, I'm watching Sports Centre now, and there's reporters at the at the hospital. I saw that his his agent, who also happens to be his good friend, uh, put out a put out a message before, which basically said what you said about um, his vitals and a tube down his throat and those sorts of things. So he was in. A critical condition not long ago so it's yeah it's pretty scary um one thing that come over me was i i straight away i thought geez i'm glad i don't play uh play uh play play professional and 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 
contact sport because that's the that's the scary part, isn't it? Even for for spectators, Geordie is is it could just it was so not innocuous but random. It was so random and mm-hmm. and you know you'd ex- you see that kind of type of type of collision a million times and. 999,999 of them, they, the players just get up yeah. and you just play the next play. And this time, um, DeMar Hamlin didn't get up and his mum was in the grandstands and they're able to wait for her and put her in the ambulance with him. So uh, at least he's got some comfort there. The Buffalo's a vision now on Sports Centre. The Buffalo Bills uh, buses are still at the stadium. I think I saw there was a player walking into the hospital. It looked like Stefan Diggs. I don't know for sure, but yeah, some of the was. players yeah. I think have gone to the hospital. Um, there's fans who have gone to the hospital. And in a little sign of, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, a bit of sign of human nature taking over. So Damar Hamlin was, uh, he was running a local toy drive. So he's trying to raise money and, 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 uh, buy some toys for his local community and before the incident that uh, fundraiser had raised two and a half thousand dollars and it's been a couple of hours that fundraiser now has seven hundred thousand yeah. dollars in the account so people have you know clearly that the, the that's and that is the beauty of social media there are a lot of negatives and um, this time it's been worked in a in a fantastic way so people are you know, getting in and, and, and putting money into to his toy drive. So hopefully uh, all's well with him moving forward. Who knows what, you know, playing career and all that sort of stuff is pretty irrelevant. But, um, yeah, pretty scary to see. And, um, yeah, the game becomes secondary pretty quickly. The, the dangers are always there at, at a professional level. Um, I hear Formula One drivers talking about, you know, do they think about crashing? Is, is that sort of fear in the back of their mind? And they, they just sort of... They block it out. They know to, mm. to not concentrate on it. Um, JJ, you played at a professional level. Was, you know, uh, head injuries or injuries in general, any, was that ever a thing that you that crossed your mind when you were playing or did you just manage to block it out and not think about it? I, I think players, for the most part, athletes, for the most part, are able to... They don't... Uh, the, the, the fear of a significant injury doesn't ever really enter your body. The, the, the only time you really think about injury, and I wasn't in this position, but I, and I know because you know, I had teammates who were, is it's actually the more, uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know, issues that, that aren't serious. You know, repeat hamstrings. People are like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm running around, but I'm worried I'm going to do a hamstring. Whereas you're not running around thinking, I'm going to break a leg or I'm going to get knocked out. It just it just doesn't enter your frame of mind, and 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 that's a good thing because I think if you played in that manner, uh, you you would be more likely to 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 get injured. Let alone the fact you wouldn't perform. Um, there, I was involved in a similar situation. I know we're going to get to a break, but um, we at Geelong when I was when I was playing down there a couple of years ago, we had a trainer, Vic Fuller, who was a well known. Um, person down there had worked for the VFL and AFL team for many, many years, 20 or 30 years, and he um, collapsed at training and unfortunately passed away. So we were in a really similar situation. We were on the training track. We were doing a drill at the other end of Cadinia Park and quickly, you know, lucky we had doctors and medical staff, you know, there who could try and help him. Unfortunately, he couldn't be revived, but we were there and we kind of lived through what those players lived through tonight. So you kind of can put yourself in those shoes a little bit and you could see on their faces like those guys are multi 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 million dollar athletes and none of that counts for anything when one of their teammates is laying on the ground some of them are probably thinking 
It could have been me. Some are just thinking that's my that's my friend, that's my teammate, uh, and, and 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 the emotion takes over. So it's a pretty pretty shocking scene, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll uh, keep you updated as as there's, there's tweets and reports and, and and news reports coming through every couple of minutes. It seems so when uh, when things come to hand. I know there's a lot of NFL fans uh, listening to uh, to SCN right now, and I'm sure there's a lot of Buffalo fans as well, given they've been one of the better teams in uh, in the last couple of years. We'll uh, we'll bring you up to speed on that as well. We'll have a uh, chat about the golf shortly as well. There's a, a pretty great event happening down at Keysborough at the moment at the, uh, the Southern Golf Club. So we'll do that in a few minutes from now. This is The Run Home on SEN. Jordan Canellis and Josh Jenkins with you. You can send through a text on the 40 Winks temper text. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks series about sleep. We'll come back on the other side of this. Bit of golf, bit of cricket, bit of basketball here on the 3rd of January, The Run Home. Price. Happy New Year from Neil Phillips and his team at Berwick BMW. Your new BMW awaits. The Run Home. The, it is The Run Home. Jordan Canellis and Josh Jenkins with you. You can send us a text on the 40 Winks Temper text or you can give us a call. 1300 736 736 is the talkback number. 0433 98 1116 off the SMS. We are here for Berwick BMW. Start your year in a new BMW. Um... JJ, I just want to chat about off the back of this uh, this uh, NFL scenario. We're seeing or uh, um, hearing stories of Stefan Diggs going into the hospital. He says he wants to be there for his teammate. Um, sort of evoked uh, a few memories of Christian Eriksen as well, the Danish uh, soccer player who collapsed on the field at the Euros. And, um, and one of the, the big sort of uh, side stories to come from that was his captain of the team, Simon Kier, was actually given... Uh, given awards by FIFA for how he reacted uh, and and how he sort of led the team. How important is and it doesn't have to be sort of situations as as sort of uh, somber or sort of grim like this, but mm. just in general in sport uh, when a team faces adversity that isn't just limited to the adversity you face on the park in the battle of a, of a sporting match, yeah. but leadership in general. I mean, it's so critical in a time like this. Yeah, I think this is where. When it is dire, the human side of things just has to come to the fore. And I think that the two head coaches were again. We we have to speculate a lot because we're we're not you know we don't have access to to the conversations and and everything like that. But the two head coaches look like the drivers of of everything that went on in terms of taking their players back to their locker rooms and giving them an opportunity to be together, but without cameras and you know there were 65,000 people at that stadium who who, who were um, curious respectfully curious and that's what you would be you know you kind of want to just know that everything's all right that's human nature so I think the two coaches Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott um, are to be applauded for their leadership and um, you know it, it's it's the same in any sense and as you said you know just generally not necessarily when you're talking about things of this magnitude, but leadership's important. I, and I think I've mean, been around a lot of great leaders, but just being a, being a, being a human is is one of the greatest parts of leadership. Not being fake and not doing anything that's that's unnecessary. Just being a um, being a good person is is what's important, and that's exactly what we saw from from the two head coaches of the Bills and the Bengals in a in a pretty well in a in a very much unprecedented situation. Uh, and off the back of uh, this week's action in the NFL, which uh, which results that sort have of caught your attention the most? Uh, well, clearly, you know, this was the game. Uh, this was the game that that um, you know, everyone wanted to see, and was basically, I think it was the the latest. Uh, sorry, it was the it was the first Monday night 
with the most amount of wins combined between the two teams. The Bills had won tw 12 games out of 15, and the Bengals had won 11. I think the Bengals had won six or seven in a row. So, um, you know, clearly the, the, the issues with DeMar Hamlin uh, first, second, and third. But this was the game that everyone was looking forward to. But, it, again, it, it's, it never fails. It never ceases to amaze the NFL. There's always <laughs> results that are just so unexpected and, 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 <laughs> and unlikely. And uh, the, the little saying of, you know, when wins become losses and losses become wins, well, that is as true as it can be in the NFL. And it's something I think all sporting leagues should, uh, should you know, aspire to have is the randomness and the unpredictability of the NFL. We've seen it in the AFL over the past few years, but certainly in the NFL, it's um, it's unlike any other where anyone can beat anyone on any given Sunday. Absolutely, yeah. I feel like the AFL is, is getting towards that now. I feel like the last maybe six or seven years, it's we've seen, and, and particularly yep. more, uh, more concentrated in the last two or three years where it's sort of, yeah, it doesn't really matter where teams are on the ladder. Teams as low as sort of third last have been beating teams in the top four. It's it's actually having that unpredictability and, and having uh, you know, or having no patterns, no sort of regular patterns through the season of, okay, this team's going to beat this team. We know that. Having the absence of that is is excellent. It's so fun. Yeah, well, it's really, it's it's crucial really because uh, that's what that's what makes, you know, and the NFL only has six, 17 now uh, regular season games. You know, we've got 22, so not that many more, to be honest. So uh, every game needs to mean the world, and that's where people come and the passion exudes and, and the players play at their absolute optimum because we know that every game means so much. You, you never see players rested in the NFL. You might see the odd occasion where a team's stitched up a, a playoff spot or a home field advantage a week out and they rest their players for the last game of the year. But, you know, we see players rested all the time, which I think is a good thing, but over there... Uh, you know the the ferocity of every game is is at its absolute uh, utmost. So it's um yeah it's a league that I know is becoming more and more popular. You get the odd person every now and then who doesn't like talking about the NFL, but I tell you what, it is um the popularity of the sport in Australia. It is a pretty good time for us on a Monday morning to get up and and sort of follow it as we're getting ready for work or or, or what have you. So uh, the popularity of the sport has just exploded out here. Is it among the uh, your top uh, summer sports to watch? Maybe maybe uh, the side sport because cricket's always the mainstream, the big one that takes up all the all the your sort of time and effort and, well, and our attention. But what's yes, speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a cricket guy really anymore. I'm not really big on the uh, big on the cricket. I must say, um, particularly when it's as you speak about speak about um, uh, predictability or unpredictability. The cricket is pretty predictable at the moment, so that's what mm. that's what sort of drives me away. As soon as I see. Yeah, you know, I see uh, South Africa six for eighty, or Australia none for two hundred. I just tune straight out and think, well, this thing's over. Um, so, and yeah, the NFL takes up most of my time at this point, point of the year. Plus, I, I like to get a bit of NBA, and the NBL is good too. I'll tell you what, and we'll speak about that a little bit later. The NBL is coming along in leaps and bounds. So, those three sports probably occupy uh, most of my time, with a little bit of racing joy. Yeah, yeah. Have you been? Do you watch any of the darts? The, the darts. Yes. No, I, I I know there's plenty of passion. <laughs> Tell you and, what, for, uh, for a summer entertainment product, right around the New Year period, I I haven't watched. Yeah, there's some carry on. Oh, there is. There's a lot of carry on. I, I, I like I've it. seen. Yeah, I've seen a few of their highlights and a bit of the nonsense from the uh, from the darts competitors and participants. They do get stuck in, don't they? So um, yeah, it's I, I kind of 
I, I had a phase of trying to watch a little bit of poker, but that yeah, quickly passed. But no, poker and darts and billiards are not really my go. I like a little bit more action and intensity in my sports. <laughs> no, niche sports is uh, it's my. That's the way I like to go. Niche sports, darts, <laughs> entertainment bonanza. The dart, the darts. Uh, you can give us a call on the talkback line one three hundred seven three six seven three six for King Island Tourism, like King Island's Pure Links Golf Courses. Speaking of golf. On the other side of the news, we're going to chat to Peter Mann, who is the director of the Australian Master of the Amateurs Tournament, which kicked off today. We'll get an idea of what it's all about and what we can expect over the next couple of days of golf down at the Southern Golf Club. That's next on the other side of the news. ...with you here over the next couple of hours as we lead into uh, the sporting flame after this and then the big bash tonight, the Melbourne Stars and the Melbourne Renegades. You'll hear it live here on SEM with Sam Hargraves and Bryce McGain calling the action for you in a couple of hours. We'll have a bit of cricket on the program in the next hour or so. But before all of that, JJ, let's have a chat to Peter Mann, who is the founder and director of the Australian Master of the Amateurs Tournament at Southern Golf Club. Peter, welcome to the run home. How's things? Oh, great, Sam. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. We've actually uh, created two new course records at the home of the Australian Master Amateurs of Southern Golf Club. Um, we've got John Golf from England. He's a number 20 player in the world. He shot an amazing eight under par. Then we had Tashishi Idira um, from Japan at five under par. Jeffrey Guan from New South Wales at five under par. Then we have a really lovely gentleman, Gregory Tate from Scotland at five under. And then we have the boys from uh, USA, Nicholas Gavilek, who's 10 in the world at four under, and number six in the world, Din Dylan Minetti, at, from the US at two under. Now, with the girls, we've set another course record for the girls. Yuna Araki from Japan at six under. Maizuko Hazamoto from Japan at four under. Caitlin Pierce from South Australia at four under. And Katrina Baker from Finland at three under. So all the members and the and, and all your listeners from SEN are all down here and the, and the car park, free car park, free entry, and also I must mention it is unbelievable. We got the Australian Master Amateurs Burger. It's the best golf burger in Australia, <laughs> and all your listeners are saying we've come to have the burger, and then they go on the course and they said they've never tasted a burger like it. So tell your listeners come down. Go to the front of the clubhouse where the marquee is and ask for the Australian Marcy Amateurs Burger and they're going to experience something else. And then they can go on course. There's no ropes um, and they can walk the fairway. And your listeners have come up to us and, and then my staff and said, this is amazing golf. And I said, well, these are the next PGA Tour players and the next LPGA Tour players. You're going to see amazing golf. And they said, we can't thank you enough because there's not enough events that bring these international golfers and also you can come free of charge, bring the whole family and free car parking and you're going to see the next best. Peter, uh, just tell us about the genius behind the, the tournament and, 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 and the origins and the traditions and background for the tournament because you know, some people might not be familiar with uh, with with the event, but clearly from what you've just told us, you know you've got the the next generation of, of golf superstars on your on your course, and and not only on your course, so they are sounds like they are, are striking the ball incredibly well with some of the the course records that are being uh, shot. Yeah, said we've been going the um, Australian Master Amateurs men's has been going for 26 years. It's in its 26th year now, and the women's is in at six. Um, the main dream of this, and it's live the dream uh, for the players, they come, this is the number one 
amateur championship in Australia. It's top five in the world with the RNA. Um, so all the top international players want to come here to get the most points for their Waga rankings, which takes them up um, up to the leaderboard. So, you know, we, we give them the chance to live the dream. Last night we had our opening function and we had 300 people here. And you could just hear a pin drop when you had Mr. Lou Mignon from Sydney who talked about his experience with Rory McElroy. And when he sat down with Rory McElroy, Rory signed a, a letter for uh, this little um, girl. And, and the, the, the last night it was amazing. Everyone was just listening to what was on this piece of paper. And all was on this piece of paper from Rory. And Mr. Lou Mignon was sitting next to him was believe. And everyone in the room just was silent. And they thought, that's what this has been about, is believe. You're not here to make the numbers up. You're here in a room with the best amateurs in the world from 18 countries, and you're here to believe that you can win this event and go on. So, uh, you know, just a, an amazing night last night. So um, this is what we, we do. We uh, bring the best from the, around the world, and this is where your listeners can come. Uh, the galleries this morning were absolutely fantastic, and um, they're, they're, gonna, they're, they're seeing the next best. Like, in, in the past, we've had the, the likes of Ricky Fowler, Jason Day, who won in 2006, Cameron Smith, who just won the, the British Open, Bryson DeChambeau, Tommy Fleetwood, Matthew Wolfe from the USA, Mark Leishman, Aaron Wise is a winner, Fahith Bagal, Stephanie Corricu, um, just, you know, unbelievable players. And all they have to do is go to the website, www.mastertheamers.com.au. All your listeners can go back throughout the whole years, look at all the past winners, and also all the tournament updates and information. And there's a lot of news going through our social media platform on Instagram and Facebook. If they go to that, they're getting all the latest news, all the live scoring, every third hole. Your listeners can have a look, and then they can come down. And um, for your listeners... The main groups tomorrow, they want to be down at midday because the main groups are teeing off in the afternoon, all the leaders. So the leaders are teeing off around about 120, 1.10. So if they come down around about 10, 11 o'clock, they can see these amazing, amazing players. Peter, before we, uh, before we let you go, so you mentioned that a lot of the, uh, the big names that have played this tournament before. Does, does, the, uh, does the tournament view itself as, as one of the major stepping stones in across the world? Uh, in, in creating big PGA names and LPGA names. Absolutely, yes. And as, as I said about the Matthew Wolf and the Bryson DeChambeau and even, you know, to um, Cameron Smith, you know, who won the British Open, you know, they all remember. And Ricky Fowler today still says his favourite event in the world as an amateur was coming out and playing in the Australian Master Amateurs and being with Mr Lou Mignon, who looked after him out here, um, and, and, the, and the same with um, Ricky Fowler and, and Tommy Fleetwood and all that. Unbelievable. But I must say something about Southern Golf Club, the home of the Australian Master Amateurs. Peter Anderson, who's the president, and headed by Brad Robb, the general manager, and Sean Taylor, the superintendent, they have done an amazing job. You drive in the driveway and it says, the home of the Australian Master Amateurs on the front gate. The, 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 your listeners will see all the flags and the sponsors and they can get a drink out on the course. They've set up a beer marquee up on the 12th and they've set marquees around that they can buy food and drinks and, and just sit there and watch watch the golf. But the course condition is just unbelievable. The greens, the Americans have said the greens are absolutely perfect. And what Sean
Sean Taylor and his team have done here is amazing. But credit goes to Brad Robb. He is an amazing general manager, absolutely amazing. And Peter Anderson, a president that is just right on top of everything and just wants to make everything work for this event. Peter, it's a pleasure talking to you and uh, and giving us the update on, on what it is, the tournament and the course records that have been broken today. Um, thank you for joining us and uh, and for you anyway. Enjoy the uh, the rest of the uh, the next couple of days at the Master of the Amateurs. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing all your listeners down here, and they'll be certainly looked after. Peter Mann with us on the run home. Thanks to Golf 24, indoor golf centres open 24-7. Practice, play, compete on the world's best courses. Uh, JJ, I'm... I'm on the other side of town from Keysborough. You're not even in town at the moment, but I reckon <laughs> I reckon you can sell me with a good burger, though. Yeah, wow, that was, I mean, the golf's one thing, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I've got great respect for the golfers and how skilled they are and watching top-quality uh, golf. And it, the other thing is attaching yourself to the next star as well. That's the opportunity you get by going down there and attaching yourself to the next superstar mm -hmm. of World golf, because the proof's in the pudding. They've been playing at this tournament. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was looking through the history of this tournament before Peter mentioned that Jason Day won it, Ricky Fowler, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, oh. Tommy Fleet. Well, I was looking at those names. Oh, yeah, yeah some, some good, good names. Good pedigree there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so if they're, you, uh, yeah, they're good names. It uh, sounds like a pretty safe stepping stone to start them. Yeah, bring your little black book down and note, note some names down. And you, can, uh, you can claim that you saw them before anyone else did when they're winning PGA events uh, in years to come. If you, uh, if you love your golf head down there at the uh, Southern Golf Club in Keysborough, thanks to Golf 24. We'll take a break here on the run home. Jordan Canellos and Josh Jenkins with you. 0433 98 11 16. You can send through a text on the 40 Wings Tempet text or you can give us a call on 1300 736 736 for King Island Tourism. Play King Island's Pure Links golf courses. We'll come back on the other side of this and we'll start to have a look towards the cricket from both the Big Bash and the Test starting tomorrow. Products for the job at a better price. Berwick BMW, making a new car resolution? Start your new year in new wheels from Berwick BMW. The run home. Silky was hitting the ball really well last night, so I knew it was a big play. It looked like I was taking the piss a little bit, but um, I just had no other option to catch it otherwise. So, I mean, the rules are there. It's not my fault. I remembered um, Matt Renshaw did it years ago in the Big Bash. But he made it look a bit more, uh, I suppose, athletic than I did. I actually practiced that a couple of years ago. And I thought, geez, this is a bit strange rule, but oh well, I'm going to uh, do it if I get an opportunity in the game. And I think everything, the angle the ball was hit at, um, the speed I was traveling to the boundary, uh, it was the only option to take the catch. Welcome back to the run home. Jordan Canellis and Josh Jenkins here. That was Michael Nisa. JJ speaking about that catch that he took in yeah. the big bash the other night, which I don't know what you thought when I when I saw it, I thought that's pretty smart. It's very smart play, great heads up play. But how can they? How could they have possibly al uh, allowed that to be legitimised as a catch? Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a BBL rule that the that the the governing body hasn't caught up with the the um, the way that cricket's played. Uh, in the T20 format, because we we just would never have seen this in in Test cricket and even uh, in in ODI cricket, you just don't really see these types of scenarios. Whereas in T20s, the balls hit to the boundary through the air so often, you know, it's so likely that that players are going to be in these positions. I I I um I think it should be they should change the rule so that you 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 can't catch the ball in that manner because. 
the way the rule's written and the way I understand it, you could just juggle that ball up to the 10th row in the stands, providing every time you touch it, your feet are off the ground. That's what I understand. So I think you should uh, have to establish yourself uh, in the field of play you know, when, you, when, you, when you're touching the ball or when you touch the ball. So I don't mind the fact when, you know, when players catch it in the field of play, throw it up and then have to step out and step back in. But I think you should have to establish yourself back in the field of play every time you touch the ball. I, I think they should do uh, something similar to, so actually the NFL do this. I think basketball might do this as well. I'll, I'll stand to be correct on this one, where if you go out of play, you event, effectively become... Uh, you're, you're nullified basically. So if yes, you step out, yeah, if you step yeah, out yeah. of bounds, so for, in that instance, Michael Nisa, his only option could have been in, in in this sort of hypothetical rule that they could bring in, was to sort of launch himself over the rope. He can still be hovering over the out of bounds mm. area, but has to fling it back into the field of play. As soon as his feet touch the earth on the other side of the rope, he is now done. He cannot be involved in the He's play. He's done. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't mind that. That's probably that's from one extreme to the other, isn't it? Where that takes it out of the equation, where you can sort of take the catch, throw it in the air, fall out of bounds, and then re- I don't mind that. I'm okay with them being able to establish themselves back in the field of play. But you can't be touching the ball once, twice, forty times when you're out of the field of play, just and having you know starting to take the mickey because that's effectively what you can do with the way the rules are written. So it didn't look right to me and. Um, I think most people are saying it doesn't look right to them, uh, uh, but that's the way the rules are written. So um, all credit to Michael Nisa. Is cricket the king of the loophole? <laughs> you got these catches <laughs> well, that you can take. I mean, you got mancads. Yeah, I was talking about the mancad yesterday. I mean, that's seriously that is um, that is the. Uh, I just don't understand a couple of the rules in cricket, and that is one. I, just stay in your crease. Just stay in your crease. I don't understand that, oh, it's a lack of sportsmanship running someone out. Like, well, just stay in your crease. Like, the rule is to stay in your crease. It's, it's got to be pretty straightforward. And the other one for me that frustrates me as a as a casual a casual cricket fan these days is the um, Hawkeye or ball tracker LBW when the, more than half the ball has to be hitting the stumps. Or, well, that just doesn't make any sense to me. But if you're going to need to allow for margin for error, then don't have it because it sounds like there's too much room for error. So I don't understand the LBW. If the ball's going to hit the stumps, then you're out. That's that's the way I understand it because if it was going to hit the stumps, it doesn't matter if it's going to be a, a quarter of the ball or a third of the ball. The ball would knock the bales off and you'd be out. But anyway, that's just a couple of strange rules in cricket. So I'm with you. Cricket's a little, a little behind the times with some of their stuff. Loophole rules. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side of this. The Watchdog app and website for every Victorian Greyhound race and expert tips, live and free. Robot Building Supplies, helping you get the right products for the job at a better price. Happy New Year from Neil Phillips and his team at Berwick BMW. Your new BMW awaits. The run home. The run home. Josh Jenkins and Jordan Canellis with you. We've got a big second hour coming up. We'll have Colin de Gronholm on the other side of this from the Adelaide Strikers, who played last night against the Hurricanes. SEN cricket commentator Rachel Haynes will be with us to chat about the test, which begins tomorrow, Australia and South Africa, the third of the series, and all the selection decisions that we are awaiting with bated breath for tomorrow. And Phil Smythe to chat some NBL later on, JJ He's, uh, he's been keeping a, key, a keen eye on the NBL, so uh, we'll uh, scratch that itch with Phil Smythe on the other side of this. All the talk back for King Island Tourism. Play King Island's Pure Links golf courses. 
We'll take the news and coming back on the other side with some cricket and some basketball. Products for the job at a better price. Berwick BMW, making a new car resolution? Start your new year in new wheels from Berwick BMW. The run home. Jordan Canellis and Josh Jenkins with you. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Run Home. Or welcome back to The Run Home. If you've still been with us over the last couple of hours, we are leading up to the Big Bash tonight, the Melbourne Stars and the Melbourne Renegades. Uh, it'll be Sam Hargraves and Bryce McGain on the call with you a little later on. So a big match coming your way in the BBL, live right across Australia on the SEN network. Um, JJ, have you, uh, have you, do you reckon you'll have an eye on the Big Bash tonight? Stars and Renegades, oh, always a big occasion. I, yeah, I think so. The uh, tennis caught me last night with uh, the demon knocking off Rafa. That sort of caught the attention again. I'm only a casual tennis uh, fan these days. But, um, yeah, that caught the attention last night. So I'd imagine, uh, hey, any any sport that's good sport is uh, is worth watching. So hopefully the, the, uh, the Melbourne Derby is a cracker. Mm, absolutely. Hope it is. Uh, last night in the Big Bash, the Adelaide Strikers took on the Hobart Hurricanes. The Hurricanes... Got the win by seven wickets with 16 balls remaining. They were just hard to dismiss. They are such a strong batting lineup, the Hobart Hurricanes. Colin de Gronholm plays for the Adelaide Strikers. And it's pretty tight right now. If you look at the Big Bash uh, table, everyone's within a, a win of each other from second down to sixth, I think. So it's pretty tight at the moment. Colin de Gronholm is with us here on the run home. Afternoon to you, Colin. How's things? Afternoon. How's it going, guys? All well, good. Well, well, thank you. Bad luck on the result last night. You guys were, were fairly solid with the bat, though. 177 you guys posted, which is a, a decent team total, but the Hurricanes were pretty hard to knock over. What was the assessment from last night's match? Yeah, no, we... I think we... Obviously, from after the power play, we batted well, I think, and got an OK score on that wicket, but I think at least 200 was par, and they just came out hot, and they started well in the power play, and just kept going, it was pretty hard to stop. You've had some good knocks so far this season uh, personally, three scores uh, 30 or over, batting at number five. How have you enjoyed your season so far? Yeah, no, it's been good so far. The wickets have been pretty good and yeah, we're just looking, obviously could win the next few games because we've gone close the last few and hopefully we can get over the line the next couple. At home. Uh, Colin, I'm interested in you know, T20 cricket and, and you're an experienced uh, person and player when it comes to that format of the game. Is there much in the way of a game review? Can you review the game closely and work out where things went right or wrong? Or is there randomness and the un unpredictability of, of, of T20 cricket sometimes take over and, you, and you're better off, particularly in a busy schedule, to look forward rather than looking back? I definitely got to look at, at points that we can do better, and especially the power plays and the surges. If you do well in that, I think that sets you up well for a good total and something to defend or when you're chasing or put you on the front foot. In a, in a similar vein, how much uh, is 2020 cricket um, dependent on individual performances compared to overall team efforts? It feels like team effort might be more of a, a test uh, test match related thing where you have to piece together a whole match over the course of five days obviously but 2020 cricket because it is so short and sharp is it more you saw rel relying a bit more on individual efforts yeah I think if two guys stand up 
with the bat and the ball, I think you pretty much come through with the win most of the time. But then I suppose if you look at it, if everyone gets 30 quick runs, you also do well. So I think it's definitely a, it's individual, but everyone does well. I think you can get over the line. Uh, Colin, looking around the competition, uh, who who are some of the teams who have, who have impressed you the most? Are you a player or person who likes to take in cricket when you're not playing? Do you do you watch a little bit or do you get away from it? What sort of a what sort of an athlete are you? Yeah, when there's nothing on, I'll nothing on TV. I'll sit and watch, but generally I'll try to get away and maybe get on the golf course or go to the beach and relax for a bit, but. If I'm home, I'll obviously turn it on and have a watch. And do you, sorry, Jordan, and do you, do you enjoy the the, the, the fast uh, nature and the and the and the very busy nature of the BBL fixture? There's, uh, uh, you know, a lot of um, conversation being about how quick and how many games there are, but I think the other bit that's forgotten is how much travel is involved. You guys are on planes, you know, flat out, flying across the place. You know, there's no other team in Adelaide, of course. So you're on the plane uh, every other game. So h how do you find the schedule from that point of view? I think you get used to the coming in and out. It's, 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 I suppose the only big travel is really to Perth. But apart from that, it's not too bad. I think you get used to it. and You still get a long time before the games, obviously, because they played later in the day. So I think it's, it's not too bad. Colin, part of the uh, the new cricket TV rights deal that's just been signed off on uh, around uh, with Channel 7 and Foxtel is for a shorter Big Bash competition in 2024. There's going to be 18 less games, and, and with that, obviously, will come a, a shorter duration. So it might be from the seven weeks that it is now down to maybe five or four. Uh, it might stop a bit of player drain as well because there's other leagues happening at this time of the year. Do you think that's a smart move for the Big Bash to try and condense it down again? Uh, not maybe maybe with the all the flights and that. If I think maybe the players want a bit less, but maybe if they played sort of more often, or you could put them all in. I reckon. So as as a player, do you want to play more more cricket, more twenty twenty cricket? I think it's it is good to play everyone twice because everyone the same opportunities to make the finals and probably fans will be happy too. Do you think the, the Big Bash has uh, has an issue with, with losing players? Because there's the, uh, the, the the tournament happening in uh, the UAE, which starts in a couple of weeks, where a lot of the Big Bash players are going to be uh, moving off to. So the back end of, the, of this Big Bash season will we'll lose a lot of our bigger names. Um, is that? Do you look at that? Are you sort of as a team looking at... Uh, at how you cover for those names that you'll be losing? I think teams will definitely be looking to, to cover a few players, but I think there's still some good local players that can come in and do do a good job too. And what was your take on the on the Michael Nisa catch the other night on the boundary? <laughs> well, it doesn't look... It, I probably think it shouldn't be out, but... I don't know all the rules, I suppose. <laughs> there's some rules that you scratch your head out with cricket. Yeah, there's probably a bit too much grey area in some things, yeah. especially 
things like that. I, I don't know how you can go that far over the boundary and bring it back and still be out. Yeah. Uh, one more before we let you go, Colin. That one off the text. I feel like Colin would have a good nickname. Can you please ask him if he has one? And if so, what is it? Do you have a, a creative nickname, Colin? <laughs> uh, not really. Uh, it is, uh, one of them is Dutchy because when I first came over to New Zealand, they thought I was from South Africa, so they thought I was a Dutchman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Colin, thank you so much, mate, and, uh, and good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, guys. See you later. Colin de Grondholm with us from the Adelaide Strikers and, uh, yeah, couldn't get the job done last night against the Hobart Hurricanes. Uh, JJ, when the, the Hurricanes have a, a strong batting lineup, like uh, Caleb Jewell, who made 50 last night, but then look at some of the really big names, guys who have played for Australia, Ben McDermott, Matthew Wade, Darcy Short, Tim David. That's a, that's a strong batting order. It is. I found Colin's response... Well, to be honest, I find the, I've found the response generally of the of the other players who have come out and been a little critical of the, the BBL extending the competition and, and putting more games in because typically, and I know you would have heard this interviewing AFL players and uh, you look at the leagues in America with the basketball and the baseball, typically the athletes want more games because that means less training and less practice. Mm. <laughs> Whereas the BBL players are wanting less games. So it's... Um, or have been probably largely... Uh, negative about playing more games. So it's interesting that that, that that the general consensus, not Collins, but the general consensus is perhaps there are too many games or in too short a time frame, whereas you ask NBA players and AFL players, particularly the four- and five-day breaks that we went through throughout COVID, everyone was saying, no worries, we'll play every four or five ga- days because it means we don't have to practice. Yeah. What do you think of the, of the, uh, the shortening of the season? So 2024 is when it's going to come in. 60, mm. what is it, 63 uh, games down to 41 or something like that, or, the, or 61 down to 43. Mm. I think I think that's actually a good move for the league. Yeah, I'd say it is. I'd say it is. Um, I think there's two elements. So, uh, again, you look at the NFL, every game counts. Well, does every game count in the BBL? That's probably where we've got to when you start to query whether you can have a loss here or there and it doesn't really matter. They all matter, but it's like it's not do or die every time you see Yeah the Stars play or the Strikers play. Uh, the other thing is, and, and, and this is probably hypercritical, but from my point of view, I, I, I'm, I'm not drawn to any games. Typically, I'm drawn to sports for, for, for superstar individuals. You know, Rafa Nadal drew me to the tennis last night. Yep. Uh, I'm drawn to the NFL for the superstars. I'm not drawn to the BBL for any superstars. There might be a couple emerging and there might be a couple there who I'm just not up to speed with. But I'm not drawn to the BBL. I can't just turn it on and, you know, it might be uh, Perth playing against Brisbane. I'm not really drawn to the game because of the individuals involved. And I don't know how the league can can counter what we're seeing in India and other places when the money's so much more lucrative. But there needs to be a way to ensure that our best players and some of the other best players around the world are playing because that's what will draw the eyeballs. Yeah, I think I think that'll help. I think the, the shortening of the season would actually help that because we do get big names to the league uh, who are, you know, reputable T20 players. but For a small period of time, right? Yeah, four-game contracts. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a nice little short burst to see uh, Andre Russell playing three or four games and then he's got to head off to play in another yep. league, which is offering him more money. So if mm. if the league can can condense itself down and, and be a five-week competition, like most most other leagues sort of are, 
instead of the seven or eight weeks that we have right now, if you can pay players maybe the same amount or slightly more for a shorter duration and, and not have it cross over with a league happening in the UAE or in in I don't know, yep. Bangladesh or wherever they, the Caribbean, yep. then, it, then it might actually help build the, the league up. And, and it makes it a more, I think it also helps the product because five weeks is a nice short, sharp burst. It's not going to be a, a long drawn out thing like seven weeks, which where people might get fatigued over time in, in trying to support their team constantly through that period. Yeah, well, I think that's the problem, isn't it? You, you can't afford to to have a league where, where games don't matter. The results don't really matter. That's what we see in baseball. Now, people might come at me off the text, off the 40 wins temper text and say baseball does matter and it is important. But if you are... The, the, the criticism of baseball, 162 games, about 60 of them don't matter yeah. because the results <laughs> don't matter on those games. Even the NBA, which is a sport I love, 82 games. You see NBA teams just flat out not turn up 10 or, 10 or 12 times every season because the games don't matter. And, and whenever you start to get into that uh, that part of uh, your league, ending up in that space, I should say, it's dangerous. And that's maybe what's happened with the BBL. This is The Run Home. Josh Jenkins, Jordan Canellis here with you. So from the Big Bash to the tests, we'll have a chat to Rachel Haynes, who's part of our SEN cricket commentary team, former Australian vice-captain with the women's national team. She'll be with us on the other side of this to chat about the third test between Australia and South Africa next here on SEN. At a better price. Berwick BMW. Making a new car resolution? Start your new year in new wheels from Berwick BMW. The Run Home. Welcome back to SEN The Run Home. Josh Jenkins and Jordan Canellis here with you talking all things cricket. We had a bit of Big Bash before with Colin de Gronholm. We'll have some Big Bash later tonight. The Melbourne Stars and the Melbourne Renegades coming your way from 7pm. Sam Hargraves and Bryce McGain calling the action. Tomorrow, the third and final test of this three-match series against South Africa begins. SCN's coverage starts from 9am Australian Eastern Daylight Time, led by Jared Waitley and the team. And part of that team will be Rachel Haynes, former Australian women's vice-captain, multiple-time World Cup winner, and now one of ours on SCN. Rachel, it's good to speak to you. Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon. Nice to be joining you. Uh, what indication, firstly, do we have surrounding team selection for the test tomorrow for Australia? Because that seems to be all the talk in the lead-up of who's going to play, who's going to cover the injuries, and what changes will they make in the final series, in the final match of the series? What indications do we have so far? Yeah, it's looking more and more likely. I think like we'll see two spinners in the Australian attack all talk out of Sydney. I haven't seen the pitch myself, but is that it is a bit patchy and, and drier than, than most of the other wickets in, in the country at the moment. So we also saw... Um, in December, the Shield match between New South Wales and WA was absolutely dominated by spin bowling. So I suspect that's the way the Australian team will lean. And then it's just a question of whether they play four or five bowlers, really. Rachel, we'll get back to the Aussies. In, well, let's talk about the Aussies uh, in depth in a moment. But I'm intrigued by the South Africans now. They were supposed to come out here and give us our absolute best and take us to, you know, as far as we can certainly go in terms of uh, the competitiveness of this series, it's been anything but. It's been, I would say, the, the stick that the West Indians copped should be doubled on the on the South Africans. Are we any chance, uh, is, there, is there a level of pride that we're going to see from South Africa to, to see this third test actually have a level of competition involved? Yeah, you're right. I think they have been disappointing and, and really just been very lean with the bat. I think there's no question that they do have a very good bowling attack, particularly in in the pace department. Rabada's one of the leading wicket takers in this series. Um, we saw an exceptional spell 
as well from Norkia at the MCG. Um, but they just haven't been able to string it together. And, and certainly they've been very lean from a batting point of view as well. I think their, their leading run scorer is Verena. And he's, uh, I think, got something like 149 runs across these two games. So they certainly need their, their batting department to, to stand up. And I suspect we'll see um, a force change there anyway with Brain having to head back home to South Africa for the, the birth of his child. So, yeah, I think... If anything, we might see Funder Dustin come back into the lineup. He got some runs in the practice game um, in the lead-up to that first test at the Gabba. So, um, and the other player who we, we perhaps haven't seen really um, click into gear has been their, their captain, Dean Elgar. So, yeah, there's certainly uh, been an element of disappointment there, I think, from the South Africans. Um, but, yeah, they've got an opportunity to try and turn things around and finish on, finish on a positive note. Does, does it feel like South Africa might be in a... Is, is this going to be a long play for them? Are we at the start of a uh, of a, of a rebuild for South African cricket? Do you reckon it'll be these names who we'll see in, in a few years from now? Because there's a lot of... Uh, there's a small handful of players who are in their early to mid-20s. So is, does it feel like it's a long play for South Africa or are they uh, are they scrambling to put a team together at the moment? Oh, look, I think that that's probably the, the best way to look at it. I, I think they, they do have to take a bit more of a long-term view, particularly with their batting. I don't think all has been lost with, with this tour. I think Jensen's been fantastic um, as a, an all-rounder and looks like a, a real promising player for them in the future. Um, Bavuma's got a, a couple of half-centuries. Obviously, he's been around a little bit longer. But, yeah, you, you're certainly right. They, they certainly lack some test... Um, experience and, and they'll be looking to, to get some games, I would have thought, into some of their batters to give them a, a bit more experience in different conditions. Rachel, uh, are we expecting, what can we, you know, I spoke about the fact that the the, the test match is a, is a dead rubber um, and traditionally, well, typically you, you can you can sort of see the interest levels wane, but it's the pink test, of course, and there's so much that goes along with it. Do we expect the the Sydney side to turn up in force and, and really get behind this test? Or is there a chance that it, it might be, you know, some really low attendances across the across the first few days? Yeah, I haven't heard that the attendances will be off at this test match. I think it, it's something that um, Sydney siders really enjoy getting behind. It's, it's become a, a big event in, in our city, the, the pink test. And, and certainly we've seen people um, want to support the McGrath Foundation as well. So... There's no doubt that day three will be very special. Um, and, yeah, I, I think this is a, a test match in the calendar, which people look forward to. So I suspect even with a, a little bit of rain, perhaps forecast around tomorrow, that we'll see some good crowds throughout this match. What are Australia looking to get out of this final test now? Because the, uh, the series is comfortably in our back pocket. Um, the, the opposition, as we've spoken about, haven't been that competitive. But there's a, a series away to India that we're looking forward to now in February. So with that in mind and those selection decisions that we spoke about off the top, what are Australia looking to get out of this last match? Yeah, I think you're spot on there. I think they will have... They want to be in the moment as much as they can, but they will have one eye on, on what's ahead as well. And that Indian series, um, you know, is certainly one which will be hotly contest contested in, in those conditions. And I think this SCG pitch will probably give them the best insight to, to some of the challenges that they might face over in India at various stages as well. So it gives them an opportunity to potentially bring in, as I said earlier, that, that second spin option and, and just find a bit of a balance there as well with, with their side and, and what it's like potentially, you know, with, with Kerry batting up the order, um, 
yeah, all those sorts of things which 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 might happen um, at various stages when they, they head over to India. Channel 7 and, and Foxtel renewing their television rights. How do you reflect on that, the, the news of the day, a bit more money pumped into the sport with the, uh, the overall, uh, the overall uh, amount increasing? Yeah, look, it's always positive when I think that that agreement gets locked away. It gives the, the sport a lot of certainty and those sorts of things. Um, the, the devil will be in the detail, though. We've only obviously got wind of it today and, and seen that it, it's been announced. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it stacks up. Um, they've, they've announced there'll be a reduction in, in BBL games, um, which is something that's, that's been spoken about for a, a period of time. But, yeah, as I said, I think more than anything, it's it's a positive thing for the sport to, to know that um, there's some security there over the next seven years and, and that cricket will be shown on free-to-air and um, pay TV as well. Yeah, the Big Bash, so cut down by 18 games. How effective do you think that'll be in improving the products? Well, I think it's it's one element to it. You know, we, we've we've seen that the other element to that as well is making sure there's star power uh, in that competition. But also, you know, we saw the, the fantastic story out of the Brisbane Heat the other night as, as well with Brown coming on the scene and just absolutely um, smoking the ball to all parts of the ground. Um, and that was a fantastic story, I think, as well in, in the competition. So... Yeah, it's about finding that balance, finding a, a clear window for the competition too to make sure that potentially our Australian stars can come back and, and play in that competition as well and, and we make it the best product possible for, for the sport. And Rachel, finally, before we let you go, uh, the Sydney test, the New Year's test is infamous for its rain. Uh, will we get, what's, <laughs> what's the weather going to be like in Sydney? What's it looking like in the next five days? Yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, when the, the test is scheduled, that usually means it rains on its way as well. And unfortunately, uh, tomorrow there is a little bit of rain forecast. So, yeah, we, we've got our fingers crossed. It's a, it's a, a real shame. It, ha it hasn't rained here for ages, actually, for a good couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, a little bit of rain around tomorrow, but I believe for the rest of the match, it, it's clear. So okay. even if we do do potentially lose a bit of time, I don't think, um, well, hopefully we'll be able to make that up throughout the remaining days of the match. All right, hopefully that's it. <laughs> hopefully just a, <laughs> just a light sprinkling is all we, uh, all we can uh, stomach at this point. We've had a lot of rain over the last couple of years on the Sydney Test. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us and, uh, and go well on the coverage tomorrow and the next five days. No worries. Thanks very much. Rachel Haynes with us, part of our SEN Cricket commentary team and uh, recently retired from international duty with Australia, has uh, won multiple World Cups and uh, one of my personal favourites, uh, women's cricketers from the last couple of years, JJ. We'll take a, uh, take a break here, go to the news and we'll come back on the other side of this and we'll chat a bit of NBL because the season is heating up now into the new year. Uh, so we'll do that on the other side of this on the run home. Taking on the Renegades live right here on SEN Cricket. This is The Run Home. Josh Jenkins and Jordan Canellis. Thank you, Adam, for the news. You can send us a text 0433981116 on the 40 Winks temper text. You can give us a call 1300 736 736 on the talkback line for King Island Tourism. Play King Island's Pure Links golf courses. Uh, JJ, I know you're right into your NBL. I um, actually caught a bit of the Christmas Day game, which I thought was... Yes. Uh, I actually got behind yep. it. I didn't, didn't mind going home from Christmas lunch and watching some of the basketball. I thought that was a good innovation. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, I haven't caught up with any of the, the numbers in terms of uh, viewers and, and, and those types of things. Uh, I must be honest, I, I thought it was a tiny little bit light in the house at, in Sydney, but they said there were 7,000 there. So mm. that's the beauty for a basketball game. You, you only sort of need six, seven, eight thousand, 8,000 and, you know, you're kind of 
do it, get enough to, to, to make it look like it's a good crowd. Uh, but I imagine a lot of people watch the game because, you know, y you just said, you know, you're a casual sort of basketball viewer and you're able to come home and watch it. So the mm. fact that it was on live, I, I just thought, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic move. And I think the league's already talking about a doubleheader. So, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a bold move. It's not a move that everyone is in love with. But the, the beauty is, and as I've said with Good Friday sport or sport whenever, if you don't like it, just don't watch it. You don't have to watch it. It's being put on for those who want to watch it. It's not being forced upon those who don't. So I absolutely loved um, sitting back, you know, on, a, on, a, on Christmas evening and having the basketball on in the background when the kids had been worn out and gone to bed. This is the Tradies Hour for Ace Gutters, Australian made, built to last. Let's chat a bit of NBL now and go in depth with uh, one of the greatest ever as a player and as a yes. coach. He's won championships playing, he's won championships coaching, he's won countless awards. Phil Smythe is with us here on the run home. Phil, it's a pleasure to chat to you. How's things? What an absolute pleasure to be with the JJs at this time of the year, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, Phil, uh, good afternoon. Hope all's going well. I imagine it's nice and warm uh, in your part of the world, but uh, let's talk some NBL because I know you've been out of the coaching scene in terms of at NBL level for a while, but you've seen the league from afar and the, the ups and downs of the league and there were some significant downs. But this, this, this National Basketball League, it is flying at the moment. No, you're absolutely right. I reckon it's coming off the back of the Olympics too, you know, where we get a bronze medal and the boys are all talking about Paddy Mills and Joe Ingalls and that. We fed off that really well. And I think a lot of the credit's got to go to Larry Kessel. And it's been, a, it's been a build, a slow build, and he's kept it going. Now he's talking about being one of the biggest sports in Australia. And the way it's going, it's hard not to believe what he's saying. Oh, indeed, and that's 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 the beauty we're seeing. You know, we're seeing uh, world-class imports now, aren't we? You know, we we used to sort of have to just cop what we what 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 was left over, but now we're seeing world-class American players. I think the I don't know what your your view on the three Americans per team. I think it's improved the standard of basketball. Whether it's potentially robbing a few Australians of opportunities, I'm not sure. But the general standard of the sport, the athletes we're seeing on the floor. I feel like we're seeing a lot more dunks and athletic play and shot blocking and those types of things, and, and people are flocking to the games. Yeah, look, it's a really good point you make, isn't it? And I agree with that. I think the standard of the imports is a lot higher than it's been probably ever consistently. I think we've seen, you know, the odd team with a really good superstar type player, but now all teams have got it. So on any given night, you're going to see something spectacular. So it is entertaining. The three Americans... You know, I don't have a problem with it. I think if you're, a, a, you know, we've got Aussies playing in the NBA. If you're good enough, you're going to force your way in. If there's good talent to play against, it's going to make us better. So overall, it's, it's a really good package at the moment. And that's why we're seeing record-breaking crowds. You know, we just had the biggest crowd ever in Adelaide. And uh, we're seeing it all around Australia. The crowds are coming whether their teams are winning or losing. It's just, it's just got a real good buzz about it. I know Jordan's keen to, to, to ask you about those 36ers, and I'm sure they hold a, uh, a place close to your heart. But I want to I just quickly watch them last night, and I, I watched the game closely. I, I want to ask you for your views on Illawarra. I don't know whether you're watching, watching you know, all the games and you're sort of in touch with each and every team. A lot of the competition is really flying. It feels like the, the era of LaMelo Ball and Brian Gorgian in Illawarra and the excitement around that is long gone. There weren't a lot of fans in the stands last night. They've only won two games for the year. Is there a general um, concern about where Illawarra's direction is heading? 
You know, any time a team sits on the bottom of the ladder, be it AFL, be it NBL, be it in the cricket, you know, there's always a concern around that. I, I think what you see with Illawarra, that, you know, they've always got a couple of injuries at the moment, but every now and then they're, they're able to jump up. And I know it was, it was like a seven-point loss to Cairns who have been playing mm. some unbelievable basketball this year. So they're not that far off the mark. And, uh, you know, it's, the thing when, uh, in our time playing against Illawarra, especially at this time of the year, Christmas and summer, you've got to remember it's a real beach seaside town, the Wollongong, even though they've got, you know, other works going on in there. But in the summer, the fans all flock to the beaches. So it's really mm. difficult to get them off the beach to get them to a game, unless you're winning. And, of course, they're not winning. So you weigh it up, you go, it's a great day to go to the beach, love surfing, family, Christmas time. You know what? I'll catch them a bit later. So I think they can be harshly judged through this Christmas-January period. But the fact that they're losing, again, like any team when they're losing, the crowds drop off. It doesn't matter which team you are. So I think they'll be okay. I think if they can weather this storm, they bounce back next year, they're okay. Phil, on to your Adelaide 36ers. They've had a great December. They had four mm. wins in a row all the way through to the end. And then uh, and then a few nights ago, had a, a close loss to the Cairns Taipans. But, uh, but in those wins, though, beating some pretty competitive teams who are right in the mix at the moment, like the Phoenix and the Jack Jumpers, um, the loss to, to Cairns, who have been playing pretty well this season, they're in third on the on the table. But thirty um, sixes, it's there's a real logjam in the middle of the of the NBL table, and, and Adelaide are right in amongst all of that. Uh, what have you made of of their last month or so of uh, of the NBL and, and their recent run of form? Yeah, it's been a real good run of form, hasn't it? Then of course they bring in another import to replace Randall, who they uh, let go earlier in the season. So it'll take a while to settle in. You know, they said at the start of the year, and you always set yourself up with this, when the owner says it's finals or bust, you better produce the finals, because I think he's going to be happy if it's not when he puts his head on the chopping block. So I think there's a, an expectation with the talent they've got and the money they've spent. I saw Bogut's comment the other day that Adelaide are the big spending team. I'm, I like Andrew, but I'm not sure if he's uh, got a crystal ball he can gaze into what other teams are spending, but I can say his team's spending pretty bloody well too. Uh they're around the mark. What, what they're lacking is that consistency. And if you're casting an eye on casting from a distance, I haven't been to their trainings, I only watch their games, is that they're lacking that two tempo that they're going to need to get all the way through and win the, the final series. You know, able to play slow, able to play fast and change teams down. CJ's uh, been courageous. He put Daniel Johnson to the bench, which is probably a good move. And, and that's mm. worked out pretty well. And that coincided with suddenly with them winning. And... Uh, whether they just got a little bit ahead of themselves in the last game or not, I don't know. But I think any team can beat anyone on a given night. If you're not mentally ready to go, you're going to suffer for it. And that may have been the case. Uh, Phil, uh, Aussies in the NBA, clearly you've had a really good association with the national team and the boomers have gone from strength to strength. And I, I think the next, even what we've done at the Olympics, our next sort of four to six to eight years should be even more exciting as we become more and more competitive. But, you know, you've got Josh Giddy over there, who you'd, who you'd be very, very familiar with, and uh, some young guys. Da Dyson Daniels is doing good things when he's getting opportunities, and we've got, you know, Proctor, who's at, at college now. So the, the, the Australian national team, there's really no looking back for us now. We are, we are established, and we should consider ourselves a, a bit of a, a, a you know, almost a world-class team moving forward. Yeah, I reckon that's a fair comment. And uh, that's probably part of the boom in Australia too. You should have touched on your first question. Is Aussies doing really well in the NBA? We're seeing this influx of young kids getting back into basketball because there's exposure now in the NBA and yep. in the NBL. But 
We are really well placed, you know, Josh. I think Ben Simmons is starting to play some really good basketball yes. too. So, you know, he's starting to throw Ben in the mix. You know, every Olympic Games we say this is our most talented team and clearly the one at the last Olympics was the most talented that we'd ever seen. They got a bronze medal. So I think we're around the mark now. Other countries are still, you know, in there as well. And it's a really good series on Netflix. I don't know if you guys have watched it, your listeners have watched it, called The Redeem Team. And mm-hmm. uh, how it's about the USA uh, basketball team, how it takes them six years to get from not getting a gold medal to getting a gold medal. So you're talking about the most powerful basketball country in the world with all the resources, the best coaches. It takes a while to get to success. And we're at success now. We need that success to continue over the next two Olympics. Otherwise, we, we may miss an opportunity for that gold medal. Yeah, the Olympics always uh, always the the main goal, but there's a World Cup later on this year as well. So that's uh, that all bodes yeah. well ahead of the, the FIBA World Cup uh, in a few months from now. Yeah, the big question, of course, is who's available? And uh, it's a really difficult one. The guys come off an 82-game season. If they go into the playoffs, more games, then try to fit the World Cup preparation in around that. I sense we, the other reason in it, we've got this group of guys at the moment, the Josh Giddies, uh, you know, the Joe Ingalls, which is great seeing Joe come back and play so well back from that year off of the knee. And Paddy Mills, they, they still love playing for Australia. But the next group under them are starting to become that group that, and, and I think Ben was part of that, that, you know, the NBA becomes more important than playing for Australia. Like, I'll play for Australia if it fits in to my NBA commitments. If it doesn't, then I'll let it go. So we're in a small window there. And it'll be interesting to see in the World Cup how many players are available out of the elite group that we've got in the NBA that will actually play. Phil, a pleasure talking to you today on, uh, on the run home and uh, enjoy the action coming up in the next couple of days. Always good to talk to the JJs at this time of the year, boys. A pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Phil Smythe with us here on the run home on SEN. Josh Jenkins, Jordan Canellis will come back on the other side of this and uh, will continue to lead up towards the Big Bash later tonight here on SEN, the Stars and the Renegades. And we might have a chat about streaming services in sport off the back of this uh, new TV rights deal that was renewed with Cricket Australia, Channel 7 and Foxtel. All that and more next here on SEN. Robot Building Supplies, helping you get the right products for the job at a better price. Happy New Year from Neil Phillips and his team at Berwick BMW. Your new BMW awaits. The Run Home. The Run Home. We are here for the Berwick BMW. Start your new, start your year in a new BMW. And this summer, play Who's Got the Power with Tire Power and SEN. Just guess the number of boundaries in each test and you could win a $100 ballpark entertainment voucher and a $100 tyre power voucher. Place your guess now at iCanWin.com.au. A few off the text. Really don't get why Australian selectors keep picking Ashton Agar. His form doesn't really warrant it, and I'm pretty sure Boland is a better left-arm orthodox spinner than Agar anyway. <laughs> and Ronin Dimbula says, Hey, guys, this new TV cricket deal, uh, Channel 7 showing the Ashes this year free to wear. Uh, all 2020s, etc. What's happening there? Uh, it's actually Channel 9. Channel 9 have the uh, the international uh, or the overseas um, tour for the Ashes, so it'll be on Channel oh. 9. Um, but off the back of that question from Ron, the TV rights deal, JJ, so the Channel 7 are going to put the cricket on 7 Plus uh, on their streaming yep. service, which I think is a great move. Um, do you, would you argue that all these streaming services that we have now to watch sport, KO, Optus Sport, Paramount Stand, do you reckon it makes sports viewing and watching easier and more enjoyable or less so? Uh, gee, that's a good question. Uh, probably, I want to think about everyone, not just me, because you know, I've got a good handle on where I need to go to watch 
what I want to watch, but not everyone does. So I think it makes it harder, um, particularly when you add the, the streaming element can 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 cause frustration because you're reliant on a on an internet connection, and you know that things happen. We just know things un, un, unknown and unforeseen things happen. So um, yeah, it's been interesting that Paramount. I think I believe have a couple of times been the top bidder and have been overlooked. So, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. And I know it's popular in America with the streaming and Amazon and those types, but we haven't quite probably caught up or well, probably the, the, the viewing public hasn't quite caught up and, and been accepting of it yet. I think dividing it all up makes it tricky because you used to just be able to watch everything on, on Fox. Yeah, that's you had, right. You had Fox yeah. Sports, that was it. One-stop shop. But now you've got it all cut up and divided. And if you're a cricket fan you've got stuff on seven plus and other games on ko if you're a soccer fan you've got things on optus and paramount yeah yeah it's yeah. Just the division of the, the only, tricky. the only thing i will say is it gives us we've got more options don't we so correct you yeah. know ko, KO provides us with so much but well, ko provides you with everything that foxtel has but then you've got all these documentaries and you can watch the replays and you can do this that and the other and then you know you might have your nfl game pass which i have and you've got everything that's on there and um, yeah, it's a lot to take in, mm. and I mean, for, for a lot of people, for, for a lot of people, I don't want to speak for everyone, but for, for people who are as old as my um, my in-laws, it's too much for them. They're just sort of like, just give me Channel 7 and give me <laughs> Channel 9, and, and, and whatever's on there, I'll deal with. So it can be a, a frustrating thing for, for those who aren't necessarily up to speed with it. This is The Run Home. We'll come back on the other side of this and wrap things up for today for the job at a better price. Berwick BMW, making a new car resolution? Start your new year in new wheels from Berwick BMW. The Run Home. Coming up to the end of The Run Home today, the trade is out for Ace Gutters, Australian made, built to last. Jordan Canellis and Josh Jenkins, we started the show talking about Damar Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills, who was taken to hospital and the game was postponed um, earlier today, Monday Night Football in the NFL, probably the, the biggest headline in the world of sport right now. Mm, um, yeah. Critical condition, but he is—he's got a pulse. He's assisted breathing at the moment. Uh, the NFL had a uh, had a had a conference just a moment ago. Um, didn't provide any further updates on Demar Hamlin and his condition. Nor did they actually provide any update on when the game will get played because they only made it halfway through the first quarter. Um, but at least the the latest news we've had is is somewhat positive, is that he seems to be. Although in a critical condition, he is he's being attended to by professionals and he's okay for now. Yeah, he's been somewhat stabilised. And, um, yeah, I guess the world, the sporting world, but the world generally uh, awaits any more information on his status and, and hopes for the best. And there's just been a... And I, I think I just saw on Twitter there's been 1.25 million tweets with his, with his name in there, plus all the tweets around the Bills. And I know the Bills have decided not to travel home. They want to be where he is. So um, Stefan Diggs has been at the hospital with him, as plenty of fans are uh, gathered outside of the Cincinnati hospital. So um, scary scenes, and we hope for the best, Geordie. Excellent stuff, JJ. Good, uh, good. Uh, well, when are we hearing from you next? Tomorrow, probably. <laughs> so, uh, no, not on every day. Crickets, crickets taking over. Of a couple course. of days off. Maybe Saturday trackside for me. I there reckon. we, there we go. Workhorse of SEN, Josh Jenkins. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> and See you, mate. and uh, the sporting flame up next. Sports day after that, and then the big bash tonight. The stars and the renegades. Have a good one. See ya. <laughs>